Section thirty two of Young Folks Treasury, Volume three, edited by Hamilton Wright, maybe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ellen Preckle. Canterbury Tales, Section two. Amelia. Amelia the Radiant lived in a great castle in Athens. Hippolyta, Amelia's sister, had once been queen of the warrior women and had led her armies to battle. But Amelia had never fought in these battles. When she was still a child, Duke Theseus of Athens had fought with Hippolyta and conquered her. Instead of sending his royal captive to prison, Theseus married her and took her home to Athens with him. When he took her there, he took Amelia with her. He was very kind to them both, and the castle in Athens was a happy home for Hippolyta and her little sister. As Amelia grew up, she became most beautiful. She was more graceful than a lily on its stem, and the flush on her cheeks was more delicate than the hue of the rose petals in the old Greek castle garden. Her golden hair fell in heavy masses round her face, and lay in a great plate down her back. It caught all the light that fell on it, and sent it out again, to make glad the hearts of those who looked on her. So men called her Amelia the Radiant, and all who met her smiled for joy at the sight of so beautiful a maid. One May morning Amelia went into the castle garden to bathe her face in the early dew. Everything was dim and grey in the twilight. She looked up at the great dungeon tower which overshadowed the garden, and thought of the two young princes who were prisoners there. Duke Theseus had brought them from Thebes. He was very proud of them, and would not give them up, although the people of their land offered to give him gold and jewels for their ransom. The princes were cousins, and were the last of the royal line of Thebes. In the stillness Amelia murmured their names to herself. Palamon and Arcite, Palamon and Arcite. How miserable they must be in their narrow cell, she thought. Then she sighed that life should be so sad for them, while it was so bright for her. As she roamed up and down and gathered roses, white and red, to make a garland for her hair, the sun broke through the mist and shone into the garden. Once more she raised her eyes to the tower. This time she did not look at it, but at the sunlit clouds beyond. The light from the east fell on her, her hair shone like gold, and her face was radiant with happiness. Palamon, at that moment, came to the narrow iron-barred window, through which alone he and his cousin could see the sky, and the fields, and the city. He saw the morning light fall on the fair buildings of Athens, and on the plains and hills beyond. Then a glad song, which burst from Amelia's happy heart, floated up to him. He looked down. Before him stood the maiden, bathed in sunlight. She seemed to him the very spirit of beauty. He thought of all the joy and life and freedom that he could never have. He started back from the window and cried aloud. His cousin Arcite sprang from his couch and said, My cousin, what aileth thee? I pray thee that thou bear our imprisonment in patience. Sad it is in truth, but we must abide it. We can do naught else. But Palamon said, Thou art mistaken. Prison walls drew not that cry from me. An arrow hath entered my heart through mine eye, and I am wounded. What life can give is bound up for me in the fairness of a maiden who roams in yonder garden. Be she spirit or woman, I know not, but this I know, was never woman nor spirit, half so fair before. Spirit of beauty, he cried, if thou choosest to take the form of a radiant woman here before me in this garden, pity my wretchedness, save us from this prison, and if that may not be, have pity on our country, and help our fallen friends. Arcite pressed forward and leaned over Palamon's shoulder. The window was only a narrow slit, and the wall through which it was cut was thick, so it was not easy for Arcite to see into the garden. At last he caught a glimpse of Amelia. 
"'Oh, how lovely she is!' he said. "'I shall die of my wish to serve her. "'Most beautiful of maidens she is, truly.' When Palamon heard this, he turned on Arcite, looked coldly at him, and said, "'Sayest thou so in earnest or in jest?' "'Nay, truly in earnest, my cousin. I have little will to jest.' Palamon looked fiercely at him, and said, "'Little honour to thee, then. Hast thou forgotten thine oath of truest brotherhood to me, and mine to thee? Hast thou forgotten thy promise to help me in all I do? How, then, canst thou dream of claiming to love my lady? This thou shalt not do, false Arcite.' I loved her first, and told thee, and thou must help me to win her, if ever we escape. Thine honour demands this of thee, otherwise thou art no true knight. But Arcite drew himself up scornfully, and said, Rather it is thou that art false. A moment ago thou didst not know whether she were maiden or spirit. I loved her first for what she is, and told thee as my brother. But even if thou hadst loved her first, could I, because of that, refuse to love the fairest of maidens? Besides, why should we strive? Thou knowest too well that thou shalt never win her smile, nor yet shall I. These prison walls, so thick and black, leave no hope for us. We fight as did the fabled dogs for the bone. They fought all day, yet neither won. There came a kite while they raged, and carried off the bone. Love thou the maid if thou wilt. I shall love her till I die. The prison had been narrow and bare and cold before, but now it seemed ten times more dismal. The world from which it shut them in was so much more sweet because of the maiden who dwelt there, and the friendship for each other which had cheered them through many evil days was broken. But Emilia the Radiant sang her gay songs and stepped lightly among the flowers, with never another thought of the weary eyes that watched her. One day the greatest friend that Duke Theseus of Athens had came to see him. This friend had known Arcite in Thebes, and had loved the handsome boy. He begged Theseus to forgive him and to let him go free. Theseus was glad to find something he could do to please his dear friend, so one morning he took him with him to the prison where Palamon and Arcite were. The attendants could scarcely follow, for the royal robes filled all the dingy little space. A streak of light from the window fell on the duke's mantle and his jewels. They looked strangely bright in that dark room, beside the faded clothes of the two young prisoners. Arcite and the friend of Theseus greeted each other joyously, and the heart of Arcite beat wildly with hope, but when he heard the words of Theseus the duke, it sank like lead. Arcite, said he, by the desire of my friend, I grant to thee thy freedom. I grant it on one condition only. Thou must wander away, far beyond my kingdom. If ever thou art seen for one moment on any furthest corner of my land, that moment shall be thy last. By the sword thou shalt die. Homeward to Thebes sped Arcite with a sad heart. "'Woe is me for the day that I was born,' he moaned. "'Woe is me that I ever knew the friend of Theseus. "'Had he not known me, I might even now be gazing on the maiden I serve "'from the window in the duke's tower. "'Ah, Palamon, thou art the victor now. "'Day by day thou gazest on her, "'and kind fortune may grant to thee thy freedom and her favour, "'while I am banished for ever. "'Ah, why do we complain against our fortune? "'We know that we seek happiness, but know not the road thither.' Think how I dreamt and longed for freedom, and thought that if I were only out of prison, my joy would be perfect. Behold, my freedom is my banishment, and my hope my undoing. As for Palamon, when he saw that Arcite was gone, he made the great tower walls re-echo with his howls of misery. The very fetters on his ankles were wet with his salt tears. Alas, he groaned, Arcite, my cousin, thou hast borne off the prize in this strife of ours. Thou walkest now at liberty in Thebes. Little thou thinkest of me and my sorrow. Strong thou art, and wise. 
doubtless thou art even now gathering together the people of thebes to invade this land and win the sister of the duke for thy wife while i die here in this prison like a caged lion the prison walls heed my weeping and my wailing not at all he could not even rejoice in the sight of emilia when she walked in the garden so fearful was he lest arcite should win her meanwhile arcite passed his days in thebes in grief he wandered about alone and wailed and made moan to himself he cared not to eat and sleep forsook him his spirits were so feeble that the sound of music brought fresh tears to his eyes he grew gaunt and thin and his voice was hollow with sadness at last when he was nearly dazed with sorrow he dreamt one night that a beautiful winged boy with golden curls stood before him go thou to athens said the boy the end of all thy sorrow awaits thee there arcite started up wide awake and said i will to athens to my lady it were good even to die in her presence he caught up a mirror he had not cared to look in one for many months but now that he meant to return to his lady he wished to see if he looked strong and young as ever at first he was shocked to see how great a change had passed over his face then he thought if i do not say who i am i may live unknown in athens for years then i shall see my lady day by day quickly he called to him a squire and told him all his will and bound him to keep his name a secret and to answer no questions about himself or his master then arcite sent his squire to find clothes such as the laborers in athens wore when he returned arcite and he put on the clothes and set out by the straight road to athens in athens no one took any notice of the two poor men before they came to the castle the squire left his master and found a house to live in where he could do arcite's bidding at any time but arcite hurried on to the courtyard gate there he waited till the master of the servants who waited on emilia came out then he said to him take me i pray thee into thy service drudge i will and draw water yea and in all thou dost command i will obey the master of the servants asked arcite what was his name philostrate my lord said arcite and as philostrate he entered that part of the castle where emilia's home was he could hew wood and carry water well but he was not long left to do such rough work the master of the house saw that whatever he trusted to philostrate's care was rightly done so he gave him less humble work to do and made him a page in the house of emilia the lords and ladies of the castle began to notice what a gentle and kind page this philostrate was they spoke to theseus about him and said that he deserved to have a higher place that he might show his goodness and courage of knightly deeds to please them theseus made him one of his own squires seven years passed away and palamon was still in prison this year however in the may time a friend of his who heard where he was helped him to escape during the short night he fled as fast as he could but when the early dawn began to break he strode tremblingly to a grove of trees that he might hide there all day when the darkness fell once more he meant to go on again to thebes there to gather his old armies and make war on theseus he wished either to win emilia or to die he cared little for his life if he might not spend it with her as palamon lay beside a bush in the grove he watched the sunbeams drying up the dewdrops on the leaves and flowers near him and listened to the joyous song of a lark that poured forth its welcome to the morning the same lark that palamon heard awakened arcite he was now the chief knight in the duke's house and served him with honor in peace and war he sprang up and looked out on the fresh green fields everything called to him to come out he loosed his horse from the stall and galloped over hill and dale he came to the edge of a grove and tied up his steed to a tree then he wandered down a woodland path to gather honeysuckle and hawthorn to weave a garland for himself little he thought of the snare into which he was walking as he roamed he sang o may of every month the queen with thy sweet flowers and forests green 
right welcome be thou fair fresh may the grove was the one in which palamon lay beside a pool of water when he heard the song of arcite cold fear took hold of him he did not know that it was arcite who sang but he knew that the horse must belong to a knight of the court and he crouched down to the ground lest he should be seen and taken back to prison soon arcite's joyous mood passed away and he grew sorrowful he sighed and threw himself down not far from the spot where palamon lay alas alas said arcite for the royal blood of thebes alas that i should humbly serve my mortal enemy alas that i dare not claim my noble name but must be known forsooth as philostrate a name worth not a straw of all our princely house not one is left save only me and palamon whom theseus slays in prison even i free though i am am helpless to win emilia what am i to her but a humble squire palamon was so angry when he heard this that he forgot his own danger he started out from his hiding-place and faced arcite false arcite he cried now art thou caught indeed thou hast deceived duke theseus and hast falsely changed thy name hast thou then surely i or thou must die i will suffer no man to love my lady save myself alone for i am palamon thy mortal foe i have no weapon in this place for only last night did i escape from prison yet i fear thee not thou shalt die or thou shalt cease to love my lady choose as thou wilt then arcite rose up in his wrath and drew his sword he said were it not that thou art ill and mad with grief and that thou hast no weapon here thou shouldest never step from where thou standest i deny the bond thou claimest fool how can i help thee to win the lady i fain would wed myself but because thou art a worthy knight and a gentle and art ready to fight for thy lady accept my promise to-morrow i will not fail to wait for thee here without the knowledge of any other also i will bring armour and weapons for thee and me and thou shalt choose of them what thou wilt ere i arm myself food and drink i will bring to thee this night into the grove if so be that thou slay me here to-morrow then indeed thou mayest win thy lady if thou canst then palamon answered let it be so next morning arcite rode to the wood alone he met palamon on the woodland path where the flowers he had gathered the day before lay withered on the ground no word nor greeting passed between them but each helped to arm the other in silence as the buckles were tightened and the armour slipped into its place the colour came and went in the faces of the two princes they deemed that this would be the last of all fights to one of them when they were ready they fenced together for a little and then the real fight began so fierce was it that the men seemed like wild animals in their rage palamon sprang at arcite like a strong lion and arcite glanced aside and darted at him again like a cruel tiger in the midst of this they heard a sound of the galloping of horses that brought the royal hunters to the spot in a moment the sword of theseus flashed between the fighters and his voice thundered out ho no more on pain of death who are ye who dare to fight here alone with none to see justice done the princes turned and saw theseus duke of athens behind him rode hippolyta with her sister emilia the radiant and many knights and ladies palamon answered the duke's question swiftly before arcite had time to speak sire what need of words both of us deserve death two wretches are we burdened with our lives as thou art a just judge give to us neither mercy nor refuge but slay us both thou knowest not that this knight philostrate is thy mortal foe whom thou hast banished he is arcite who hath deceived thee for that he loveth emilia and i too love her i too am thy mortal foe for i am palamon and i have broken from my prison slay us then here before fair emilia that is easily granted said theseus ye judge yourselves ye shall die then the queen began to weep and emilia too 
they were sad to think that these two princes should die so young and all for the service they wished to do to the queen's sister the other ladies of the court begged the duke to forgive the fighters have mercy sire they urged on us women and save the princes at first theseus was too angry to listen to them but soon he thought that he would have done as the princes had done if he had been in their place so he said arcite and palamon ye could both have lived in peace and safety in thebes yet love has brought you here to athens into my power who am your deadly foe here then for the sake of hippolyta my queen and of amelia the radiant our dear sister i forgive you both promise never to make war on my land but to yield me your friendship evermore joyfully the princes promised this and thanked the duke for his grace then theseus said both of you are noble either might wed amelia the radiant but she cannot wed you both therefore i appoint a tournament in this place a year hence come here then ye princes of thebes each of you with a hundred knights of the bravest and that one of you who shall slay or capture the other he shall wed amelia whose face could be brighter than was palamon's when he heard those words and who could step more lightly than did arcite every one thanked the duke for his kindness to the princes while they rode off to thebes with high hopes and light hearts when the day of the tournament came great buildings stood in a circle on the plain beside the grove within them stretched an immense arena in which knights must fight great marble gates opened on to the space at either side palamon and arcite found it easy to bring a hundred knights to athens so splendid were the preparations for the tournament that every one was eager to fight in it emilia alone was sad as the day of the fighting came nearer her maidens heard her say oh that i might not wed at all i love the free life of the woods i love to hunt and to ride and to roam why cannot palamon and arcite love each other as they used to do long ago and leave me free on the morning of the tournament duke theseus and his queen sat with emilia on a high seat overlooking the lists when the trumpet sounded arcite and his knights rode in through the western gate his red banner showed bright against the white marble pillars at the same moment palamon entered from the east and his white banner floated out against the blue sky soon the heralds ceased galloping up and down and the whole space was left to the warriors the trumpets sounded advance and the fray began through the bright sunshine they fought advancing here and beaten back there till at last palamon was hurled from his horse and taken prisoner the trumpets sounded and all stood still while theseus called out ho oh, no more all is over our sight of thebes shall wed emilia then the people shouted till it seemed that the great marble gates would fall in the eagerness of the fight emilia had begun to like the warriors who fought for her and her liking grew ever stronger as they showed their worth when arcite rode toward her with glowing face she was proud of him and leaned forward to welcome him gladly but as he galloped his horse started aside and he was thrown to the ground he was too much hurt to rise so he was lifted by his knights and carried to the palace there he was cared for in every way but nothing could save him before he died he called for emilia and palamon no words can tell the sorrow i bear because i must leave thee my lady alas death tears me from thee farewell my wife farewell my amelia ah take me softly in thine arms and listen while i speak for years i have had strife with my dear cousin palamon yet now i say to thee in all this world i have never met one so worthy to be loved as palamon that hath served thee and will serve thee his life long ah if ever thou dost wed let it be palamon his voice began to fail Amelia, he said and died Amelia mourned sadly for her valiant knight as for palamon all his old love for arcite came back and he wept for him as bitterly as he had bewailed his own sorrow in the dungeon when all the greeks had ceased to mourn for arcite 
Palamon still grieved for the death of his friend, and for the strife that had been between them. After two years Theseus sent one day for Palamon and Amelia. Palamon came to the court in his black robes of mourning, but Amelia was dressed in white, as she had been on the May morning in the garden years before. She had ceased to mourn for Arcite, and was Amelia the Radiant once more. Palamon caught his breath. He had not seen her since they parted after Arcite's death. Duke Theseus said, Sister, I desire thee now to take the noble knight Palamon to be thy husband. Have pity on his long service, and accept him. Then he said to Palamon, It will not need much speech to gain thy consent. Come, take thy lady by the hand. Then, in the presence of all the court, they were wed. When all was over, Amelia fled from the noise and tumult of the hall, and beckoned Palamon to follow. Out at the great hall doors she led him, and down the pathway to the garden beneath the tower. When he joined her, she pointed to the dungeon window, and told him of the day, when she had looked at the prison in the morning mist, and murmured to herself the names of the captive princes, Palamon and Arcite, Palamon and Arcite. But it was not till many years of joyous life had passed over their home, that Palamon told Amelia that he had seen her first on that very morning, when she had thought so sadly of his misery. End of section 32